turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. News, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. What Paul is teaching us is that these are the very truths that transform our lives. If you embrace these truths, it transforms you as a husband. A husband who embraces all this will be a husband who loves his wife like Christ loves the church. If you embrace these truths, a Christian wife will be like the church as the church submits to Christ, so a wife will submit to her husband. Parents will be godly in nurturing their children. Children will be obedient and reverence in responding to their parents. You'll be better employers, better employees, witnesses for Christ and church members. In every facet of your life, there'll be a transformation. And here's the point as you put it all together. Once these glorious life-transforming truths get hold of your life and you start obeying the Lord in these various areas, you can expect Satan to attack you. Do you remember when Jesus called Peter and Andrew to be his followers? It's in Matthew chapter 4. Luke also recorded it. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't promise to make them better fathers, husbands, or workers, but to make them fishers of men. We are also called to be fishers of men. To be effective, though, we need to be good parents, good spouses, employees, and employers. Those qualities validate our witness. Satan really doesn't want us to improve in those areas because if we do, we will be more effective for Jesus. On that somewhat alarming note, let me welcome you to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in a series of studies to help us face and overcome the spiritual opposition that will come our way when we live in obedience to the Lord. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for over 26 years. We at Verse by Verse Ministries are glad to be involved in bringing his practical, biblical messages to you through this wonderful radio station. Spiritual warfare is a major topic of study and one that is critical to living a victorious Christian life. I hope you can stay with us for the entire series. Today is just the third part of a four-part message that introduces the subject. If you miss any lessons, we keep previous programs on our website. I'll tell you where you can find them at the end of our class. For now, keep your finger in your Bible at Ephesians chapter 6, but be ready to turn to other chapters in Ephesians as Pastor Steve highlights some of the godly characteristics that so irritate the devil. And then we'll move on to see what tactics Satan is likely to use against us. Here is Pastor Steve. Now, it's interesting that as Paul opens this letter, he explains that all of these blessings have been granted to us by God's grace because he chose us and called us to be in Christ. You and I just didn't decide for him. We were dead, he tells us, dead in sins and trespasses, chapter 2. Dead people can't respond to any kind of stimulus. 
We were spiritually dead. We couldn't respond to Christ. So God did a work. He brought about regeneration. Then he gave us the gifts of repentance and faith. We came to believe in Christ because God called us to himself with that irresistible calling. And so we were called into a relationship with Christ. Now in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, in light of this calling, you have to walk worthy of that calling. You have to walk in a manner worthy of this calling. And so for the next two chapters, actually three chapters, the apostle Paul tells us how to walk or behave. How do we walk worthy of our calling? Walk means behave. Well, he tells us we are to walk in humility. We are to, we are to humble ourselves Understanding who we are and what God has done in our lives ought to bring great humility. We are to walk in unity. We're one, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, he says in chapter 4. We are to walk as a new man rather than our old selves. That's chapter 4 where he says, put off the old man, put on the new man. That's how we're to walk. We're to also walk in love, chapter 5. We are to love as we've been loved. We're to walk in light, not darkness. We're to walk in wisdom, not foolishness. We are to walk in the Spirit. We are to be controlled by the Spirit, not, not controlled by wine or anything of that nature. Now, what Paul is teaching us is that these are the very truths that transform our lives. If you embrace these truths, it transforms you as a husband. A husband who embraces all this will be a husband who loves his wife like Christ loves the church. If you embrace these truths, a Christian wife will be like the church in submission to Jesus Christ. As the head, as, as the church submits to Christ, so a wife will submit to her husband. Parents will be godly and nurturing their children. Children will be obedient and reverent and responding to their parents. You'll be better employers, better employees, witnesses for Christ and church members. In every facet of your life, there'll be a transformation. And here's the point as you put it all together. Once these glorious life-transforming truths get hold of your life and you start obeying the Lord in these various areas, you can expect Satan to attack you. You can expect the attacks to come. And that's why Paul, at the end of this letter, says, well, let me just tell you, I've given you glorious truths, elevated, exalted truths, but don't forget when you embrace this and obey this, you'll be attacked down here. You will be attacked. And so he says in chapter 6, verse 10, finally, in my conclusion to this whole letter, I want you to know the, the reality is that a high calling doesn't mean that it's going to be easy for you. It's going to be difficult. You will come under attack. The more you grow in the Lord, the more godly you are, the more Christ means to you, the more you can expect to be involved in satanic oppression. He can possess you, I might add. He can and does oppress you. In other words, Satan intensifies his efforts against those who are serious about following Christ because we become a threat to his kingdom. A threat to his kingdom. The stronger you are in your faith, the stronger will be Satan's attacks. But don't be discouraged by that. Don't say, well, that's the way it is. I don't want to grow in the Lord. No, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't be, don't be a coward about this. And this principle of satanic opposition to godliness holds true for a local church as well. The more a local church is committed to Christ and to following his word, the more they can expect to be attacked. Now, that's why I've chosen, before we settle into a study on the Gospel of Matthew, in which I've said before we'll grow old together studying that, I I want us for the next few weeks to study 
spiritual warfare. And I'll tell you why. Because it's been on my heart that this is a unique time in the history of our church. This is a time of great blessings. And, and not simply because we have had an increase in attendance. That's, that's part of it. But with an increase in attendance comes the opportunity of greater outreach, greater ministry to people. There's a, there's a new dynamic that takes place. There are new people to minister to. There are new opportunities to minister. There, minister. there, are, there are new spiritual gifts brought into the body. This is a unique time in the history of Lakeside. In May, I guess coming up in a week, I will have been pastor here for 23 years and I have never seen the blessings of God like we have had in this last year. This is a unique time. And one thing that makes it unique is that there have been just a great influx of people who have had very little, if any, exposure up to this point to verse-by-verse Bible exposition. And what happens when people are exposed to the Bible in an expository fashion, verse-by-verse, it's been my experience to see that they, if they're responsive to it, they, they take off in their growth. They may have known a lot about a lot, but they've never quite put it together. They've never seen the Bible in its flow. They've never seen how things fit. They've had exposure to a lot of of fragmented truths. But when they sit under Bible teaching, and I don't just mean from the pulpit here, but I mean in various Sunday school classes as well, things tend to, to happen. There's a maturity level that takes place because now they're understanding the Bible As God gave the Bible, line upon line, verse upon verse, thoughts connecting with other thoughts, and they they see the intent of Scripture. They see Scripture in context, and they get convictions about the Bible, and they grow, and with growth comes changes to the glory of God. And so, folks, I, I, I think we need to be careful that we're not naive about this. We will be, and I've sensed it already, we are under attack, and that we're going to have more attacks from Satan. Why? Because whatever God blesses, Satan always attacks. Now, how does he attack churches? Well, he has a lot of methods, but let me give you some, some of his methods, some of the more popular ones. One way Satan attacks, he can attack he, here like this, he's attacked many churches like this, is he attacks by infiltrating our churches with false Christians who become a part of the church's membership. Why do I say that? Because Jesus gave a parable in Matthew chapter 13 about the tares being infiltrating into the, the wheat. Let me, let me read it to you. Matthew, you don't need to turn there. I'll just read it to you. It's part of a parable, but in Christ's explanation of it in verse 38 of Matthew chapter 13, he said this, And the field is the world, and as for the good seed, they are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. What Satan does, one of his more popular approaches, is he he brings into Bible-believing churches with sound doctrinal statements unbelievers who join the membership. Sometimes they get involved in leadership. Now, we try very carefully at Lakeside to screen uh, our members. We have a class, not a very large class, of those in mem- going through membership classes. We're, we try to be very careful about that. But there are some churches who are not that careful. And even when you are careful, you, you can't be perfect in that. And so what happens with many, many churches is that unbelievers come in, they're involved in in important positions, sometimes leadership. There are many churches who have, those who even even have a sound doctrinal statement where deacons are not even believers. They're not, not, they have not been regenerated, and yet they're they're involved in in the church. 
So you've got God's people and Satan's people, and that's why you have so many conflicts. That's one of Satan's methods that we have to be careful of. He just plants unbelievers in the membership who weaken the church because they're opposed to God's truth. They're opposed to righteous standards. Another way he attacks the church is by false teachers, false teaching. This, this is a very dangerous, dangerous thing. He's been doing this for many years, and I want to show you this. Second uh, Peter chapter 2. This is another popular approach. Second Peter chapter 2. In fact, every New Testament letter deals with, with error in the church, error attacking the church. So this is not new. Satan has been doing this for many, many years. In fact, he even did this in the Old Testament with the Jewish people. Peter tells us this, Second Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1. He writes, but false prophets also arose among the people. He's talking about Old Testament people. False prophets arose. You read the Old Testament, there were false prophets. Just as there will be, um, uh, will be false teachers among you, meaning in your churches. And when Peter wrote this, there already were, but they were on the increase. What will they do? Among you, he says, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. It's not, it's not going to be obvious right away, but they, they come alongside of other believers, other teachers, and they secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, meaning that they'll, they'll be popular. And because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. Churches are attacked by satanic false teaching. Keep this in mind. Behind all false teaching is Satan. He is a liar from the beginning, Jesus said. We'll see more about that in weeks to come. But all error goes back to Satan. And Satan attacks by raising up false teachers. Where uh, Peter says they deny the master who, who bought them. They, they deny God's sovereignty. They deny the deity of Christ. Where do you think liberalism comes from? This is where it comes from. And many people follow that because it's popular. They don't want God to reign over them. They don't want God to be supreme. They don't want to believe in Christ's deity. But they want to appease their conscience, so they go to a church. Peter tells us that that's a very common tactic of Satan. But it's also throughout the New Testament. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Timothy says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, and we are living in the latter times, by the way, any, from the first coming of Christ on is referred to in the Bible as the latter times. In the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, meaning from doctrine, from the truth, from Christianity, paying attention to deceitful spirits, which Paul defines as doctrines of demons. Behind false teachers are demons. You don't see them, but this is what Scripture says. It is an invisible warfare. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we just finished this book several months ago, Paul continually battled with false teachers. He, he told the Corinthians in chapter 11, verse 3, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. In verse 4, he says, for if one comes, and he's talking about false teachers now, and preaches another Jesus, whom we've not preached to you. That, that's what they do. It's another Jesus. It's not the Bible's Jesus. It's the Da Vinci Code Jesus and stuff like that. Or you receive a different spirit which you have not received or a different gospel which you have not accepted. You bear this beautifully, Paul said. You've been influenced by false teachers. And who are these men? Jump down, if you will, to verse 13. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles 
of Christ. They are in disguise. They are not godly men. He says, verse 14, no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. See, once he was an angel of light, now he's disguised as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. They They don't come to you portraying themselves as wicked. They come to you as men of compassion, men of humanity, men who are concerned about meeting social needs. The devil is not portrayed as running around with a pitchfork and horns and and laughing wildly at us. He is portrayed in the Bible as one who disguises himself as an angel of light. Acts chapter 20, Paul said he met with the elders from the church at Ephesus and he said, I want you to know that after my departure, savage wolves will come into your church. Men will be raised up as leaders and they will draw the disciples after themselves. They'll teach perverse things. So understand, false teaching is an insidious, insidious thing. We have to be on the alert for this. But I think one of Satan's chief strategies, and one that at Lakeside we need to be more alert to than anything else, is that Satan often devours a church by attacking them at the point of being unloving and unforgiving. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Some of you were not here when we went through 2 Corinthians. Others of you were here and perhaps have forgotten this. So let's, let's look at this again. This is very important. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul writes, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. He means his first letter, 1 Corinthians. So that you would be made, so not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love that I have, especially for you. But if any has caused sorrow... He's caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree in order not to to say too much to all of you. Sufficient for such a one is this punishment which was inflicted by the majority, so that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end also I wrote, so that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for, the, for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Let's, let's stop here. Keep your place here, but let's stop at this point. The Corinthians, we're told, have been instructed by Paul in his first letter to discipline a man, who, a man in the church who was having sexual relations with his stepmother. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We think that that's who Paul's referring to in the second letter. This man was having relations with his stepmother. Paul said, how dare you as a church let that go? You have to discipline him. You have to put him out of the, the fellowship. You, you can't have fellowship with somebody like that. They were very broad-minded. They were very open-minded. They were proud of their tolerance. Paul said, I'm handing him over to Satan, and that's what you have to do. Now, apparently, that's what the church did. They responded to Paul's strong words by withholding fellowship from this man. But according to, to this passage in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, when the man repented, the church withheld its forgiveness. They withheld its love. Paul said, I'm concerned for this man. I'm concerned that he might be overwhelmed. He calls it, calls it in verse 7, excessive sorrow. You're going to break this man. You're, you're going to cause him to, uh, to be so overwhelmed that he's going to break. You're going to break his spirit. You're going to wound him. Paul's very concerned. Why? Look at verse 11. 
which I didn't read to you for a purpose, so that, he says, you need to forgive him and love him so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Paul said that if you don't forgive this man after he's repented, you don't welcome him back in the fellowship, you don't restore him to full membership, full fellowship, what you're doing is you're giving Satan an advantage in your church. You're giving him an opportunity, a foothold in the church. And Paul said, we're not ignorant of his devices. And I think some of us are, but Paul was not. We're saying, he's saying, this is obviously of Satan. This is what he does. You know what? We need, to be, we, we need to take heed to this. We need to be careful that we're not naive about what can happen at Lakeside. We are a church that tends to emphasize doctrine and theology. And rightly so, that is the foundation. Without that, we don't know what we're supposed to do. However, churches who emphasize doctrine and theology are very susceptible to being cold and and loveless. So concerned about the truth that we forget about people. This is a great warning to us. And I, I tell you now that we can expect to be attacked by Satan in the area of love a lack of forgiveness where there have been offenses, an overly critical spirit finding fault with everything, complaining and griping attitude. Very soon, in fact, I think next Sunday night, we're going to have a service that will explain to you some of the changes that we have to make because of uh, the problem with, with space and a lack of rooms for Sunday school classes. And you know what? It's been my prayer for months now that you would not complain, that there would be no griping. There will be changes. There, there need to be. And I've been play, praying for that because I know how Satan can get a foothold in people's lives, complaining and griping, failure to serve one another, being overly touchy, overly sensitive. Well, he didn't say hi to me in the hallway. I don't like the way he looked at me. I was talking to him and he didn't pay any attention. I'm telling all, all, I've heard all that. I've heard about me. I've heard, I've heard it. Being overly demanding, inconsiderate of others, self-serving, all of these, need, you need to understand that they are attacks from the enemy. So let's recognize the source of these attacks as satanic and let's be prepared for them. So how do you get prepared for them? How do you prepare for them? You know and apply the truths of Ephesians chapter 6. In J.R.R. Tolkien's masterpiece, The Lord of the Rings, Frodo wasn't sure at first if Aragorn was good or evil. Aragorn's weather-beaten features and travel-stained clothes were not very attractive. He finally decided and told Aragorn, You have frightened me several times tonight, but never in the way that the servants of the enemy would, or so I imagine. I think one of his spies would, well, seem fairer and feel fouler, if you understand. It is somewhat like that with false teachers. Often their messages are more attractive than the truth, but when we check them against Scripture, we soon see false teachers for what they are, servants of the enemy. Let's ask God to teach us to recognize false teachers and to keep them out of our churches and our lives. This is Peter Silseth, and you have been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in an in-depth study of spiritual warfare. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now we at Verse by Verse Ministries have the pleasure of adapting his expository or verse-by-verse messages to radio format. 
We are a faith ministry made possible by listeners like you. Today's lesson was the third part of a four-part message. To hear the entire message at once, you can order a CD or a cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. If you want to listen to today's class again or go back and catch up on any previous lessons, you can find them on our website, versebyverseradio.org. You will also find that we offer a free podcasting service and a complimentary newsletter. That's versebyverseradio.org. In our next class, Pastor Steve will unfold more wonderful truths contained in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Meanwhile, we need to be careful to apply what Pastor Steve just told us about some of the ways Satan can attack us. For every godly attribute, he has an evil counterfeit. Love can degrade into license. Devotion to doctrine can slide right into legalism. Even prayer can turn into a tool for gossip if we don't watch out. So until next time, let's be alert for those stealth attacks from our enemy and be ready to confront him with biblical truth. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We are here to give you strength between.